This is Live Wild's Connection Matters podcast, bringing together heart-centered, nature-connected, curious people who share the inquiry, how can we create a connected and meaningful way of living that brings more health, happiness and growth to our world. My name is Leona Johnson and I am your host. Hello beautiful humans, welcome to episode 25, How Are You Today?, It is 2021 here in my world, where I am right now, and what a crazy world we're in. (laughs) I am really well, I'm really grateful for my life and all that I have, feeling very uh, supported and very lucky. I'm also, yeah, feeling quite perplexed and not exactly in the world that I would want to be living in, not exactly believing that our world leaders are guiding us in a direction that we truly want to go in. But I am also really heartened and grateful for the human spirit. On New Year's Eve, I stood outside and watched the fireworks with my partner, and we were talking about, um, in my local village, the the fireworks had been banned the the police had made a visit to the person who was going to set off all the fireworks in the park and told them not to and I just felt I stood and I just thought I can't believe that you know if if you'd have asked me a year ago if that would have even been possible if that if people would have lay down and allowed that to happen um I, I just wouldn't have believed it 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 it, felt, it feels like a film. It feels like something that you'd watch on TV. So many of the, our rights uh, being changed. Um, and, you know, for better or worse. But what happened was that because that one person couldn't do a big fireworks display, all around the valley there were fireworks displays. There was lots of fireworks displays. And I just thought, oh, yes, 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 yes. The human spirit is strong. We will we will do those little things, you know, whatever you think about fireworks. For me, it feels like it was like a little offering and a celebration of the human spirit, you know, that we're here together, we're all in it together, and we can still, from our own homes, we can still look up and out and, and be together whilst apart and it was really great and I am pleased with my little village and pleased with the people here I had nothing to do with any of it and just stepped outside and the fireworks were going on for ages so long and it was brilliant and um, yeah I feel like we've now gone into tier 5 in England in in the UK uh, full lockdown fuller than I think even it was originally and it we have a choice we have a choice about how we experience this you know we all are facing hardships in various ways there are people we've not been able to see some people have been sick a lot of us have lost much of our income if not all of it it's really super challenging and yet we we all have a choice in some way about how we look upon this time and for me my choice is to try and really make the most of the small things really make the most of the time the extra time that I have for my kids actually that I wouldn't have had if they were at school and the (laughs) the necessity that I now have to get outside every day because I'm not going to go to work and things but and how great that is to actually um, motivate me to explore my local area, you know, explore the different routes that I can go around and, um, and how great it is to slow down and reach out to people who, who need connection, who I would never reach out to, I don't think in other times and building those, strengthening the connections with the people who do really matter to me by trying to stay in touch with them and and just pay attention again to the food that I eat and my body and making sure I get exercise and you know all of those things whilst they might seem a little bit inward and a little bit I don't know 
uh, individualistic. It's the, the reality is, is that we are no good to anyone if we are in a permanent state of fear, anxiety, ill health, tiredness, um, you know, lethargy that comes from not paying attention to what we eat and how, what we do with our bodies. And actually, we are our first port of call when it comes to changing the world. You know, I've never had this opportunity. Obviously, I've had the opportunity. I've never had this impetus so strong as there is now for me to look after me so that I can be a good mum and so that I can be a good partner and friend and community member because it, it really must start here. And so I'm really determined that I am going to do what I can to try and promote the opposite to fear, to try and promote hope and connection and to speak to more people this year who are doing the great work of healing and evolving and trying to bring people together because really this is our test, this is our opportunity, this is what this is about. Just like with anything, just with anything in life, challenges are always brought, I believe, to uh, show us what needs to be worked on, to show us um, and give us you know, the impetus to make changes in the way that we want to. And this is no different. We all noticed in the first lockdown how much we loved not having so many cars on the road, not experiencing all of the pollution that there is when there's constant flights, um, you know, the, the surge in uh, community WhatsApp groups and people talking about growing and swapping seeds and things like that. And this is this is the where it now becomes real. You know, we've no idea how long this is going to gonna go on for. I hope not too long. But I also heard so many people at the end of the first lo- lockdown panicking because it was over, because they had so many things they wanted to do first time round and never managed it. Because let's face it, we were all a bit like the rabbit in the headlights. I was. I I had good ideas, but I, I was so, in such shock that the world could change literally overnight in the way that it did, that it it took me a long time to really gather myself. This time I'm feeling different and I hope you are too. I hope that you are in the the position that you need to be or at least aware of, of getting yourself into the position you need to be in order to look after yourself so that you can be a force for change in the world in the smallest or largest ways, whichever you want, whichever meets you where you are you know at the moment I can't think of anything that's more important than supporting my children to have positive mental health and options ways of dealing with things ways of thinking about the world that give them flexibility of mind so that they can face the world that's coming their way as they grow and so you know parenting is so crucial and at the same time you know there are other people who have plenty of other missions on but just know that whatever it is that you're doing that you think is that's important to you it is it's really important if it's about connection if it's about being the best person that you can be despite and because of everything that's going on right now in the world so I'm excited to bring you this episode with Luby McNamara I'll read Luby's biography so that you get an idea of her so she writes I am a permaculture teacher, designer and writer. Permaculture came into my life in 1999 and awakened in me a creative life force. I have found it to be full of inspiration, magic and common sense. Permaculture has allowed me to meander on my own path supported by like-minded people, a sense of purpose and a belief that together we are bringing about positive change in the world. One of the beauties of permaculture is that we can all use it in unique ways to enhance what we are all doing already and to take us in new directions. To guide people in doing this, I've written a book, People and Permaculture, which is the first permaculture book to look at how we can use the principles and design of permaculture in all aspects of life. The book emphasises how focusing on caring and designing for people can lead to greater and more effective planet care and repair. 
In 2014, I published my second book, Seven Ways to Think Differently, a concise and potent guide to shifting our personal and cultural thinking patterns towards more healthy, regenerative ones. I live in Herefordshire with my partner and two daughters. We have a stunning 20-acre small holding, Applewood Permaculture Centre, which is an education and demonstration centre. Most of my courses are run here. We have indoor accommodation and teaching spaces, as well as many diverse habitats, including orchard, pasture, woodland, lake, gardens. Our home is also home to an abundance of birds, including ravens and parliament of owls that talk across the valley. Since 2016, I have been working closely with John Young, founder of Eight Shields Institute, on the Cultural Emergence Project, finding new ways to facilitate cultural change. Since then, Luby has written an amazing book called Cultural Emergence, a toolkit for transforming ourselves and the world. And she is running online um, programs, which I did one of the, the free ones, which is available to you. I'll make a link to it in our show notes. It was like a, a taster course, which was just such a great way for bringing action to the things that we're often thinking about when we're wanting to imagine a different way of living. And I think more than ever now, uh, we're all in that. We're in that. If you're listening to this podcast, you're wanting there to be a more healthy, balanced, whole, connected way of living and life. And so I hope you enjoy listening. If you enjoy the podcast and you haven't already, please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash connection matters podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who already supports us. I'm always so humbled and um and grateful to people who who just make those few clicks to give us three pounds a month or six pounds a month or whatever it is that you feel that you can offer because we're doing this for the love and the commitment to future life and I um and I hope that it brings value to yours. So yeah. So much thanks to those who do support us. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe by hitting the little subscribe button below and that will enable you to get all of our future episodes straight into your device. So without further ado, this is Luby McNamara. Hi Luby, welcome to Connection Matters podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. So good to see you. And um, and yeah, I'd like to start with a little bit of gratitude today. I am grateful this morning for the, the beech trees that are in this valley where I live. The colours right now are just, just awesome. I, I can't really describe the feeling that, you know, whenever you're underneath these huge, big, uh, standing beings with all of their yellow and orange and just so bright and vibrant and it uh, never fails to lift me and help me feel really grounded and I had a lovely walk this morning the sun was shining on the other side of the valley because I'm on the dark side <laughs> which means we don't get sun between now and Valentine's Day actually when it comes back and but I can always see the sun shining on the other side so I actually I did a I, I did a naughty thing and jumped in my car and drove up to the wood on the other side so that I could like have a, a brisk morning walk and feel the sun on my face before I started the day and that was really great. So yeah, grateful for that today. Um and yeah, grateful grateful for my children actually right now. They are very happy and um, I feel very connected with them and as much as I struggle with all of the um, changes that have been recently um, yeah I'm really enjoying spending time with them actually and getting a, a deeper relationship with them so yeah I'm grateful for those things this morning and many many other things but I'll stop there and uh, yeah how about you? Oh yeah, I'd like to echo your gratitude for the the trees and the colours and the and spending time with um, my children as well. Uh, and I'd also like to just um, share gratitude for Applewood and um, which is where I live, Applewood Permaculture Centre, and 
we've got 20 acres here and just really grateful for the the kind of springboard that that creates in my life that um it, like that the solidity and the grounding and the inspiration and the connection with the birds and the trees and um and the the seasons here has been quite uh wonderful like the last few years that we've been here so yeah really grateful for applewood and all of her i don't mm. know about the gender but <laughs> all of all of applewood's uh beauties and mysteries and there's still always more to discover i've um recently been discovering the the mushroom layer here and the mycelium and that's quite astounding and kind of yeah so mm. there's always i know that there's still many more layers to discover here mm, yeah lovely i'm uh, i'm also loving the mushroom layer at the moment i'm learning about it through my 9 year old son because he does um nature mentoring and um seems to have a brain that remembers all of the details of all of the different ones and how you test them and have they got gills or have they got um, pores and you know and how to test for them and you know which ones are poisonous and he licks little the milk caps you know and and I've had that knowledge and I work with the uh, the people that give that knowledge to him but it just does not stay in with me so I'm really loving learning it through through my son you know through the next generation that's just so, so amazing and um yeah and lovely to hear about uh, applewood and i'd love to know more actually um but for now yeah um i guess i'll like to introduce how i came across you and your work i um i did my permaculture design course um with starhawk and Andy Goldring um, when they were running the Earth Activist Training at Land Matters, which is another amazing permaculture community down in Devon. And um, that course just took me on a, a whole different trajectory, I've got to say. It absolutely changed my life. And um, I knew a little bit about permaculture beforehand. I'd done intros and, you know, and I'd been trying to implement things. But I think the thing about the Earth Activist training was that it brought into, into it the earth-based spirituality and the real connection um, and the activism side of it as well, actually. You know, they're really uh, taking responsibility for our roles and, and doing that and having I was a social worker at that point um so my background you know working with people are desperately wanting to find a more connected way of being and living and um uh, offering my gifts to the world finding that I was stuck in a system that was broken and wasn't wasn't enabling that and then having done this course I was just like oh searching and searching and what is this people permaculture business that I that I that I saw and and learned about but really didn't massively experience on the course and wanted to know more and then your book came out um people and permaculture and I I read it and just I was just absolutely you know, buzzing because it really incorporated a lot of things that I'd already, you know, I'd been learning about, touched on at nonviolent communication, the work that reconnects and all of these, um, you know, many other things that you had researched and um, brought together in that book, as well as the other new ways of, um, of doing uh, design processes and and things so yeah uh, that's a bit of a long a long introduction of how I got there but it just felt like it was so impactful for me and you know I went on to run introductions to people and permaculture based on what was in you know what I learned and and expanded on in in the book that you wrote and um and it's amazing and from there all I've seen is all of the additional things that you've been bringing and adding to the world and um, so I'm really excited to speak to you and um, yeah I'd love to, for uh, yeah just to sh for you to share a little bit more about what it is that you you do in your words not mine <laughs> 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, so my work has uh, evolved from people in permaculture, but still very much rooted in permaculture. It now um, ha has evolved and meandered um, its way into cultural emergence, which is um, it, which is something in its own right, as well as having its like its lineages with people and permaculture, and also with the Eight Shields Institute. So um, myself and John Young have been collaborating and co-creating uh, over the last uh, few years, and um, looking at like yes, our work overlaps, but what what else can it be? What else? Uh, um, can evolve and emerge and it's been a very emergent process to develop cultural emergence as a toolkit for change transformation and that we that we can use as individuals as well as communities and going right out to the bigger scale of change that is so needed in our systems at the moment um and so i I guess one of the kind of key pillars of my work is about empowerment and how we can really use the transformational uh, shifts in thinking to find our own gifts, to find how we can show up and contribute in the world. And that the more of us that do that, the more potential we have to um, to move into this regenerative future and this ongoing process so cultural emergence enables us to do that um, with with the tools it also really leans into um, systems thinking and this awareness of culture to really understand ourselves give ourselves a map of uh, of understanding of our human journeys both individually and collectively that we can then start to I like to say unravel the cords of conditioning that actually we have um, you know we we aren't just these biological beings that, that have our own personalities that exist in the world we exist within a culture so we are like the fish swimming around in the the water of culture, uh, but we don't necessarily know it that we we are in this water. But we are we are, and we all you know have a different cultural water that we're swimming around in. That it's good, you know, it's a it's a, not to mix my metaphors too much, but it's like a, this, um, you know, this mosaic. Of, cult of cultures that we're part of that create our own personal culture and when we start to be more aware of it we can be proactive in deciding what we want that to be and then when we then we can move into design and be proactive uh, you know there is in people and permaculture I, I created the design web which is a non-linear holistic organic design process um, and I've developed that further in um, cultural emergence in the book and so when we've kind of unraveled those cords of conditioning and we've kind of, we can then move ourselves forward proactively and um, consciously into the future we want to create in small and big ways mm. yes yeah uh, well Yes. <laughs> and thank you. And that um, it feels so important because it's exactly where we're at now, isn't it? That people are really starting to wake up to having choice in their lives and actually being able to think about, well, how how can we do this better, this thing called life? How can we actually have more healthy relationships with each other and ourselves and the world and what does that even mean you know and I think for a long time we've been in this paradigm of progress where we've been pushing always to to learn more and get more and do better in in terms of capital and stuff uh, consumerism and and that kind of you know that's been how we've we've measured ourselves and our and our 
wealth really you know is how much stuff we've got how how high up the ladder we've traveled and you know that's I, I guess you know I, I often talk about my parents poor poor parents but um you know that's that's the paradigm that I grew up in you know that it was all about doing better getting to, you know going to university getting a really good job so that I can get a better house and you know and hopefully do better than them you know you always want your children to do better than you but actually I think you know that the, certainly in my, in my personal culture and then in the networks that I'm part of and the communities, I'm definitely feeling a growth and a, a change and a desire, a hunger for more meaning to be attached to that and more purpose, the purpose being connected to the whole, you know, and, and how we can live in service to the whole for the benefit of all beings. And, um, so this idea of emergence is is really exciting to me, um, and the idea that we might not necessarily know what it is that we're going to be moving into, but having these tools and things available to us help us in some way to prepare for that. Um, yeah, and I wonder. So I wonder. So, what's the first step? in terms of for people who are starting to wake up what's the first step and what what would you say in terms of cultural emergence is the thing that people need to be doing or are doing what are you yeah observing? i mean i i think so in cultural emergence we have these three phases challenge and awaken move and invigorate and nourish and empower and um in the, these curious times that we live in, there's been a lot of, of challenge and awaken anyway. It's, it's like we're, um, that is happening, that ball is rolling. But what we find with challenge and awaken, with the phases, they need to be in balance. And that balance is different for each person. But um, generally, if you have too much challenge and awaken, you can just feel overwhelmed. And then it's like you want to just kind of hide your head in the sand because it's like, oh, it's too much. It's too much. I can't deal with all these, you know, these this massive amount of scientific data forecasting the doom and gloom, you know, whatever it is, this huge pattern disruption, this huge awareness that actually maybe if one system starts going down globally, that actually will pull all the other systems down you know, all of that, it's quite, it can be quite overwhelming. So we need some challenge and awaken, but there's a certain amount. And then once you, you know, if you just keep on getting challenged and awaken, it's too much. You need one of the other phases. So the, the keystone routine of the move and invigorate stage is design manifesting through design and action. And, um, uh, and, and and then the keystone, I'll come back to that one in a minute, but then the keystone um, a routine of the nourish and empower is connection practices. So if you've gained too much challenge and awaken, then either or, or both you can go to the move and invigorate and start manifesting, start moving forwards. And or you can go to the connection practices and like and nourish and empower yourself and give you a resource yourself, see a bigger picture, feel it in your body, um, you know, connect to yourself. What do you what, what do you need? Find appreciation and connect with other people how can you listen to other people connect with more than human world so you start feeling the rhythms of the of, of nature feeling the cycles the bigger picture the expanding your time frames and such like so and and I find that when you're trying to elicit change in other people that we often come in with that challenge and awaken of that kind of like, well, why don't you? And these are the, you could do this and you could do that, or you should do this. And you, and did you know that that's leading to that and all of that? And it's like, Oh, okay. Um, uh, but actually it can, you know, it can elicit change, but it's not always the, um, 
the most effective way of creating change with yourself or with other people. Whereas actually, if you start listening to people, if you start appreciating people, if you start connecting with them, if you start hearing their stories and their challenges and their limits, and you start understanding those, then you've got more of a chance of actually suggesting a solution that works for their context Mm. or or actually just listening to them connecting with them for them to feel that kind of decompression that allows them to emerge their own solutions Mm -hmm. rather than pushing forward so so their nourish and empower that connection is really kind of critical And then coming back to the move and invigorate and the manifesting through design and action, that's really important as well. Because when you sort of start seeing things that need changing and it's like, ah, okay, what do I do in my own life? Okay, I've realized that I've had this cultural conditioning around um, my body image or cultural conditioning around um, what I consider, what I can consider um you know language uh, um how i can speak a different language or not so i you know i've suddenly got this realization that i've um got a limiting belief about uh being able to speak another lang uh, another language and it's like ah actually that's not just my own personal limiting belief that's a cultural uh, limiting belief about you know British people being <laughs> not able to speak other languages and so you know when you unravel this conditioning then it's like oh well what do I do about that then how can I replace that and so you can start designing things on small levels so you know designing learning a new skill or actually designing your day so that you think, okay, well, I want to have a really connected day. What does that mean for me? What are my limits around doing that? What are my patterns, helpful patterns and unhelpful patterns around connection or around effectiveness? I want to have a really effective day. What are my usual patterns of procrastination? Can I unravel those a bit? So it's, it's about kind of being proactive and responsible then about moving forward. Mm. um and um and so those would be my first steps is to although it in the book actually we start with the challenge and awaken because we need that understanding of culture and of systems to move Mm. us forward um uh, that's an ongoing process and the having the design and the connection in there as well really uh, accelerates that process of change mm. yeah so perhaps the the challenge and awaken is that your why that's the why why you know that the reason that you might be doing it in order to you know for example if um if i think for me one of the things that i'll use an example one of the things that i um grew up believing was that i'm separate that you're too nature i am you know which we are to some extent but but that i am not connected and i felt very lonely for a long time and i felt really isolated for a long time and i used to do a lot to try and um create gatherings of humans of people and we'd go out to nature and it was like we just took from nature we went to be on nature and then we went home again and when i um when i did a lot of more work around language that separated us separates us um i realized that that a lot of the language we use calling you know trees things and it's and um and and animals as well you know that we didn't actually um i didn't feel rather than um yeah it it was the it was the language of more than human others you know the other beings that exist in the world that really shifted me and it was the realization when I awoke to that 
limiting language that really shifted and that became my why because I was like my god we are connected to everything and I have if I spend time and effort and energy in designing in practices that help me connect I have the potential and capacity to to live a completely different way which is feeling part of something and and feeling like I can communicate with myself differently and and also listen to the natural world to other than human beings um, and feel like I get you know good message you know that comes from the earth that comes from other beings that that helps and guides me because I believe the whole of the network of human nature and the intricate web of uh, connection wants us to survive wants us to live and wants us to thrive um, and and when we are yeah when we're working from that position we, we do things differently and I imagine it's the same for people when they realize how you know the concept of you know there isn't a bin <laughs> you know that was another one for me it's like there is no bin you know we put something in a bin that goes into another bin which goes off into another truck that takes it to another bin but ultimately there is no bin ultimately where that ends up it was always once a beautiful place always because the whole planet was a beautiful place and like for me it was like oh my god there is no bin and um and it was you know these little moments of awakening that just really changed my why you know it's like oh, it's not just because I'm told that recycling is a good idea it's like there is no bin, you know, and then I had to do things differently. And, um, and so, yeah, so I love that. I love the two strands and I, of the next stage as well of, of the connection practices and the, the move and invigorate. And I, I must say that I, I've always tended to try to move forwards to the planning and doing stage. And it's been the connection practices that have really, I think, grown my wisdom you know, not you know, a long way to go before I could call myself wise, but actually really deepened my um, depth of understanding so that the planning, the moving, the, you know, the moving stages is, is done from a more connected place. Um, and often, you know, as I'm in now, actually, a time where um, things are challenging for me in some ways, I know that even though I feel like I've got less time than usual, I know that the, the effort I, that I need to put in, the commitment I need to make is to my connection practices because otherwise I'm all going to be acting from a place of fear and struggle rather than from a place of um, feeling supported. Um, so I love it. I love it. I just, you know, I love it whenever I hear, um, are they strategies or... Uh, you know principles that really put power behind what it is that you do and I think that that is always behind you know permaculture design and and cultural emergence and that kind of float planning isn't it is mm. is the consciousness that you put into design mm. and designing life is that right yeah well there's uh, lots of um, strands I could follow up with what you were saying. I was love that. I love that. There's no bin actually, because although I get, I've heard the expression like there's no such place as far away or throwing it away. You know, it's like where is away. Um, I haven't actually heard that there is no bin in that way before, and I will, you know, I will may have that thought now when I go and put something in the bin and. Um, uh, and to really think where is that going and actually then you know so that's a, you've you've challenged me and, and awoken me then with that um then it's like okay so if I wanted to you know maybe I want to make a design for myself around there is no bin you know what would be the vision of that what would be the limits well you know and then when you're talking about limits you are then expanding out into well, what are the options of what I want to buy and what are my cultural um, preferences and my you know the, the the habits that I've been brought up with about what I eat and what I source and 
what's acceptable packaging levels and what's unacceptable packaging levels and what do I turn a blind eye to and what do I um you know what can I and can't I resist and things so I you know I that's a kind of design immediately sort of formulating in my head there um that around there is no bin and, uh, mm. you know so um yeah so I wanted to follow up on that that thread there because that was the one that immediately kind of struck me but um yeah what was your other question yeah, uh, yeah I guess it's the it's the design it's that process of taking ourselves from a, a situation that we don't feel we want to be in so Take the rubbish example, you know, the rubbish yeah. example, the example of rubbish. Um, it's such that, a rubbish example. <laughs> yeah. Rubbish example we'll use. Um, but yeah, it, you know, okay, so I live a fast paced life. I often go to the garage. I need to um, pick up things on my way to work because I'm always late because I'm too busy because we have to do too much to in order to earn enough money you know it's it it touches everything once you start thinking that way then it touches everything and so that's I guess that's my uh, pondering or question if it is it is it a question is you know is this all about this cultural emergence idea all about um or how do we how do we live in this world live in a way that is supporting cultural emergence and at the same time help not not making us feel bad doing it in a way that helps us feel incrementally like we're doing something but at the same time um and, and doing enough um well that's i mean that is the kind of the enoughness you know that that or this never enoughness paradigm is something that we're living amongst as well as the separate from nature as well as the humans are superior to nature nature. and um, you know many other um, paradigms we're living in and that never enough and I think you know there's reframing there isn't there that's really important there and so you know I could I could set myself up for failure and go right I'm I'm not going to um throw anything away and just be a real kind of blanket like right that if I, if I can't do all of it you know and go for that all or nothing thinking um and then if I if I don't achieve all then it's not good enough maybe I could, you know, so another way of thinking about it is, can I just reduce, you know, it's that recycling slogan, isn't it? Again, it's reduce. It's not cut out altogether. It's reduce it. And if we all start just reducing it and reducing it, it pulls it down. And then, and then, you know, manufacturers will start realizing that actually the, you know, the toothpaste that's sold without the box sells more than this toothpaste with the box um you know it and it's just opening our eyes up to different ways of thinking and being in the world and what you've you know what you find is with our cultures is that they you know my working definition of culture is that it is a complex web of seen and unseen patterns of thinking behaving feeling and interacting so because it's a complex web when you start playing with one pattern it pulls out other patterns like you said it's like okay actually your waste patterns are connected with your work patterns which are connected with your family patterns which are connected with your self-care patterns so that is all is all connected so when you start saying actually i want to reduce my waste then you can start saying well okay actually i don't want to buy um sandwiches from the garage um for on my work days how you know how do i shift that and then it, other things start shifting as well um you can't just pull up one thing it's like you know the whole web is connected um so that can be quite liberating as well to realize that actually maybe 
maybe you do in order to tackle your entire fa- you know family's household's waste actually maybe starting with your sandwiches is a good place and and not to be kind of going oh it's the sandwiches and it's this and it's that and it's this and it's that and oh I can't do all of it so I'll do nothing Mm. it's like okay actually maybe I could do something different with my sandwiches Mm -hmm. maybe I could maybe I could actually at the beginning of the week uh, you know even the beginning of the month make a giant load of hummus and freeze it in batches and uh, you know Mm-hmm. Uh, from dry chickpeas and yes there is still some packaging but it's less mm-hmm. you know so it's like it's like and and then thinking okay I'm just gonna commit to doing that one thing mm-hmm. and then you and then once you start doing that one thing then it's like oh well actually that seemed quite easy and actually it's my sandwiches way more exciting now than they used to be what else can I do like mm-hmm. oh maybe maybe for treats then I don't need to like instead of um buying biscuits or buying cakes in plastic packaging um maybe actually I could make cakes with my children and they and then I'm spending time with them mm-hmm. and as well as getting something that's more nutritious and less packaging mm-hmm. at the end of it um you know, but if you sort of launch straight into that as a solution, then, it, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe it will work. Or maybe, You know, it's just it's finding out where are the, the, the easy points of intervention as well. And mm-hmm. to not try and kind of throw everything out all in one go and have this all or nothing. And that if I haven't done all of it, then I'm not good enough. It's like, OK, mm-hmm. we're all, we're, we are all acting within cultural constraints so your work you know how much you need to work depends on how much your your rent into your mortgages or you know is there's more factors than just yourself or your household at play here Mm. so we have to be kind to ourselves as well Mm -hmm. and that's really important you know I mean you mentioned your parents earlier and their paradigm well they were coming from a cultural context and actually that cultural context has shifted a bit for the like you know the younger generations now are kind of going well hold on a minute you you know that that story that narrative of you know do well at school go to university get a job well actually we're seeing that the the going to university nowadays in the UK costs a lot of money doesn't guarantee you a job is that you know and so that that narrative is kind of getting pulled apart a bit Mm -hmm. Um, certainly from when I was at school that was the narrative I was you know conditioned with was Mm -hmm. do well at school go to university get a good job Mm -hmm. you know get get Mm -hmm. a good house you know all of that so well using that example I mean even more is changing in that field than before in universities because actually the the move to a a lot more online learning opens up the doors to being able to learn so many more things for free for and and also not for free but you know you pay a lot of money to go to university and actually you know now the opportunity uh, I guess yeah there's so many different opportunities for people in how they learn what they learn choosing and when what what they do with that and for me that feels like a bit of a revolution at the moment um what how that's going to end how that's going to end up and and I'm I'm curious to see that as a you know as a cultural you know what what the cultural reaction to that is going to be and what the responses are so yeah that's uh yeah and it's it's interesting because our you know culturally the academic skills have been more valued than the practical skills but what you find is that actually if you're a plumber or an electrician or builder or something you're a lot less likely to be out of work than if you're a historian or mm. <laughs> um you know that you know or you did a degree in english literature or something it's mm. at, so it's it's an interesting paradox there that mm-hmm. actually 
we value the more you know we the you know in the mainstream education system that i was brought up the the more academic skills were more valued mm-hmm. but perhaps less likely to give you a job in the in the long run mm-hmm. um, yeah. we and and i think that shift hasn't quite yet rippled mm-hmm. through into our education systems because as well it's like how we get on with people mm-hmm. how we with people that's hugely important but isn't at all assessed within school yes um, uh, but but yet it's you know for for most professions that's really critical mm-hmm. and general well-being and health you know just generally just being a good community contributor is is the thing and so i mean i wonder how cultural emergence and the training that is now um becoming more available how how that's been applied who's coming who who are the people that are turning to cultural emergence and what practical outcome is created when people do start uh, moving to this way of thinking and being well i mean at the moment um there's quite a wide variety of people coming to the the courses although there is a tendency for people to come in because they already have some permaculture experience or nature connection or involved in transition or extinction rebellion so it's often people that have already um, recognized that there's challenges in the world and recognize that they can be part of the solution in some way and that there is um, there are tools to discover that will help us on our journey um, and, our, and there's also um, a an opening there for people involved in any sort of group uh, or organization or business to, to really explore the design tools to really examine the their workplace culture to really um open up their collaborative working mechanisms for greater um co-creation and emergence to happen so whatever it is that they're doing so i think that the scope of people that are coming on courses or reading the book is getting wider all the time as people are seeing more applications and really recognizing that it isn't a um, prescriptive thing that they need to apply in a certain way that they can actually take the tools and make many many different things with it so it's like saying who needs to use a screwdriver it's like you know hammer or hammer and nails it's like well actually and everyone can use it in different ways to make whatever it is that they want to um and really when people come on a cultural emergence course or uh you know through through the book through doing the activities in the book one of the things they get out of it is this connection with their own gifts and their own sense of agency and responsibility and hope that actually what that is those gifts that they have to contribute to the world are of benefit are needed in the world and that this recognition that actually if we all started connecting with our gifts then we would really birth a new world wouldn't we Mm. it would be really transformative and um another thing that people get out of it is this grounding (coughs) excuse me um this grounding and rooting and so that we're particularly through the nature connection activities that this ability then to navigate uncertain times and this is part of the essence of emergence is that it's uncertain it's unpredictable it's non-linear and that's the world we're living in is this uncertain times this non-linear times and to recognize that actually there's a there's a flow there's process there's tools that help us navigate our way through that 
that deepen our understanding of the different phases, the different journeys that are possible through that. And that is very reassuring for people and resilience building. Mm. So those are some of the things that people get out of it. And those tools are just then embedded and embodied so that they can use them with whatever personal global context that comes mm. our way. Oh, thank you. That's really interesting. And so it's making me think about, you know, the people, obviously we and the people who are listening to this podcast are the people who are likely to be wanting to do something like cultural emergence. But I'm wondering about everybody else in the world and wondering, is the world, are we ready for it? Are, are, are people really ready to embrace the unknown and embrace, you know, what emergence means? Now, for me, the idea of cultural emergence and skilling myself up with these tools that you offer, I've already done the, um, the, the, the short uh, introductory course that you offer and, um, and that, you know, and I love it and I feel like, um that's where I want to be putting my efforts but for a lot of people they're not ready to let go of the linear um and the idea of we know what the world we know what the world Mm. is should be and this is what it is and this is what I'm um going to plan for and and so then the idea of facing a different way of being is is brings up a lot doesn't it a lot of grief and a lot of um i guess triggers for people is that something that you've come across or found and yeah certainly certainly does and for all of us and you know we can understand it on a theoretical basis we can understand that we have been culturally conditioned um to certain ways of thinking and we understand that and process it and then we come into a situation um, or an interaction with someone or something pops out of our mouth and we're just like whoa where did that come from like oh you know my my body and my instincts haven't understood that I'm trying to unravel that bit of conditioning and I'm wanting to throw it out um you know and you know so the 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 embodied understanding comes time and time again we're continually being faced with that and I mean in terms of um is the world ready I think there is more like you know are we ready how do we come across it and it's this incremental process so it's also about when we're trying to connect with other people trying to help other people understand it recognizing where they are on that journey so um you know it could be really uh you know subtle questions we ask people just subtle ways of saying like oh you know what's made you happy today rather than maybe expressing it as um you know what do you feel grateful for Mm. you know just it could be subtle phrasing that happens and I find as well that the 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 challenge and awaken phase which is really all about like you know challenging mindsets and pattern disruption and um you know awareness of culture and systems and you know that needs to be in moderation Mm. and um and actually then it's it is getting about these getting these phases in balance so the nourish and empower the listening to people the appreciation um the connecting with them those all have profound effects that then enable a bit more of the challenging and the 
wise wording and the pattern disruption to come in mm-hmm. um, rather than immediately sort of going, oh, you know, your narrative that you're living your whole life by is, you know, it's completely <laughs> rubbish. It's like, okay, thanks, you know, mm. <laughs> well, you're mm. my friend. I'm not sure about that now. So it's all about taking small steps and mm-hmm. there are more and more people that are waking up so they are coming into that challenge and awaken phase, but don't then necessarily know how to deal with it. So then suppress it. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, there's a lot more people that know that the world is a bit skew if and not really sustainable. And they maybe worry about their children and their grandchildren, but they haven't got a clue how to deal with it. Mm. And so then they suppress it. Mm. So it's also about giving people the tools to design their way out of it. Mm. So mm. that's why the, the cultural emergence toolkit has these three phases of challenge and awaken, you know, so you understand there is a problem and understand there are mechanisms to deal with it. Um, then you, then the move and invigorate, which is where you're like, okay, let's actually design our way out of this design our way to something different on small scales as well as big scales and the nourish and empower phase, which is all about connection and actually surfacing our gifts, appreciation. And those three phases need to be in balance for ourselves personally and for when we're connect you know approaching other people as well Mm. Mm. Mm, that's really useful that is really useful and it feels like because we will I think what I've witnessed personally and and I've seen others do is that you know people start to awaken they start to learn these new tools and these ideas and they have these great things and they're like and then they experience something really great like a in a course or a session or a just something you've tried and it's worked and then you try and share it with someone else with passion and you just hit a brick wall you know or you or you worse than that you know they come back at you with some sort of um attack because it's you know it's triggering to people to think that they might have to face their own stuff and i i um and it's scary isn't it scary thinking that we have to undo a lot of the things that we've always believed and been told to believe in order to create a different way of being um but it's huge and it's necessary and i think my belief is that it's going to happen anyway because there are enough of us who are experiencing um, growth that you know stretches beyond the fear you know and beyond our conditioning so much so that we're starting to feel it in our bodies and um, that's got to be a good thing you know yeah exactly and I think it's more um, exciting for people to see someone that they know radiating their gifts and to actually want to know the secret that they've discovered rather than someone saying, hey, I've got a secret. This is what you need. Come, come, come. You know, like, okay. So, and and then actually spending time listening to that person and nourishing them through that listening and discovering what are their problems at the moment, what, what are their limits rather than coming in with solutions mm. and really give, gift them the time and space to talk. And actually maybe it is about releasing grief about the world at the moment or some personal circumstance. And mm. I think you're right that it changed, you know, changes the only certainty and, um, and if we lean into that and learn to sail our way through that, it's more empowering for us. And then we're more likely to be able to find solutions when we are empowered through mm. it. Well, that brings me hope and, um, and hope is, yeah, is an, is a, is an important fuel for these times isn't it to actually really be able to to believe in the possibility of change and the possibility of changing to a reality that is beyond our 
comprehension right now, but trusting that it's going to be um, something greater, something that, you know, as humans, we've been meant to be all along, or maybe this is where we've always ended, needed to end up, you know, and I'd definitely much rather believe in that future than, uh, than the one that most of the mainstream media would have us believe. So, yeah, thanks so much for all the work that you're doing. Um, I'm wondering how people can um, find out more um, because I know that your your book is by the time of this uh, this being released, it will be out in the world, and that's exciting. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So people can get uh, signed copies from me, um, cultural-emergence.com, um, and we. Yeah, I do signed copies and then there's also lots of videos and um, different podcasts and things on that website. So have an explore and, and there's a link to the taster course on there as well. And, you know, I will be offering online courses and um, face-to-face courses as well. So mm. yeah, do, do get in touch. Um, and there's a Facebook group, cultural emergence Facebook group if you want to join and share your experiences and connect with like-minded people, because that's a really important part of it to feel like you're part of the movement and for change rather than just by yourself mm-hmm. in, a, in your own bubble, that there are actually hundreds, thousands of people around the world that are also believing in this. Yeah. And that's such a great point to end on is that we're not alone, are we? You know, there are hundreds of people each week who are listening to this podcast and all these stories have changed and there are yeah hundreds and thousands of people around who are learning about the eight shields about permaculture about cultural emergence about all of these really exciting um ways of being and um and connecting and connecting with each other and listening to each other is just so powerful right now so. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. I'd like to just end with um, two of the cultural emergence principles that just popped into my head. And one is this emergence happens in relationships. So when we connect with other people, new things arrive that couldn't happen by ourselves. And the principle that really gives me the most hope is the allow for the possibility of the seemingly impossible. Mm lovely yes yes thanks so much luby yeah thank you so much thank you so much for listening to this podcast i hope it inspires you to follow your path of deep connection i love sharing this information so much and i'll always share any relevant links in my show notes if you like the show please consider supporting it at patreon.com forward slash connection matters podcast This is where you'll find bonus episodes, giveaways and behind the scenes content from me, as well as having my huge heartfelt thanks for any support that you can give me. It really helps with the viability of the show. You can get most of what will be on offer for as little as £3 per month. Please also subscribe on whatever app you use by clicking that little subscribe button below. That way you'll get all of the upcoming episodes straight into your device. And please leave a review on iTunes. It's so helpful to our ratings. The music that opens and closes the show is actually by my very own dad, Ray Johnson. Thanks, Dad. And you can hear more of his music at soundcloud.com forward slash visionray.